The following message, entitled, Under the Wings of God, Part 2 of the series, Ruth, Real Happy Endings, was given by Mark Altrogi on August 11, 2013 at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. Especially welcome all our visitors and guests. My name's Mark. I'm also one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace. And uh, I, just, I just had a unique uh, encouragement someone gave me about my message last week. A young lady just said she liked my message last week and especially that it was long. So I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to go really long today then. So that's the first time I ever got that encouragement, so uh, it's very encouraging to me. <laughs> Please open to the book of Ruth. Is everybody warm enough? I, I, I've been freezing all morning long. I, I guess when you're 100% muscle, it's hard to... <laughs> Christy's saying... Get some new humor, Mark. I've been hearing that joke for so many years. I, I shared it in the men's room a little while ago. I, as long as anybody laughs at it, I'll... Okay, we're in the book of Ruth. We'll be in chapter 2 this morning. We're in a series called Ruth, Real Happy Endings. And this message is called Under the Wings of God. And I want to ask you a question. Where do you run in the storms of life? When it storms when we're outside, especially when there's lightning and thunder, our first instinct is to want to take refuge under some kind of shelter. At least most of us. An awning or an umbrella or we run into our cars. And when it storms in life or we go through tough times, we we seek to take refuge. And Sometimes we run to the wrong things. You can imagine what those kind of things would be that we could take refuge in. It's kind of like a cheap umbrella I bought. Saw it in the store for, it was three bucks. And I thought, well, I'm always losing umbrellas, so this would be good. I'll buy an umbrella for three bucks, and then if I, I lose it, I, it won't matter. And so I had this cheap umbrella with me, and it started to storm outside, and the wind is kicking up, and it's starting to thunder, and I open up this $3 umbrella, and the wind immediately turns it inside out and breaks it. And that's, that's a, a little picture of what it's like when we run to the wrong things in the storms of life. And in the storms of life, you're going to know what I'm going to say, but we should take refuge in Jesus, because He will never fail us. And last week we began this series on the book of Ruth and a woman named Naomi was going through the storms of life and she took refuge in things other than God and paid a price for it, a severe price. But as we began to see last week, God's grace is greater than our failures and He gives this woman a true friend who takes refuge in God her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and that changes everything for them. And so, chapter 1 last week ended with Naomi returning to her homeland 
ruined, broken, bitter, accompanied by Ruth, her daughter-in-law, a foreigner who had come to believe in the one true God. And this, this foreigner had come to take refuge under the wings of God. And that's what we're going to read about this morning. But let's, let's pray first. Let's pray for Bob since he's speaking in Altoona. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we live in a country that we can preach it freely. And thank You for Bob and thank You for the church in Altoona. Lord, bless Bob as he preaches. Bless Bob and pour out Your Spirit upon him and that church in Altoona and just bless them. And Lord, we ask that You would bless us this morning with Your Word. Please open it up to us by Your Spirit, Lord. I pray that every single one of us would be encouraged and built up and strengthened by Your Word this morning. And I just thank You, Lord, that that's Your desire to do that for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Boaz is a relative of Naomi's husband who had died as a result of his poor decision to disobey God. Scripture calls Boaz a worthy man, which means he was a man of excellent godly character, which we will see as the book of Ruth unfolds. And Boaz's character reflects the character of God Himself. And so the way Boaz is going to wind up treating Ruth is a small picture of the way God treats us. And the same is actually said of Ruth's character in chapter 3, that she was a worthy woman. And so, it's important to remember this as, as background to this story. And so, verse 2 says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Now, back in those days, God made provision for the poor and sojourners, they were called, and widows in the law, He made provision for them by allowing them to glean. That meant they could go and pick up stocks and pick, pick up wheat or barley or whatever that was dropped by the harvesters, the gleaners. They could pick up what they dropped or they could go to the corners or the edges of the field and harvest. And God made provision for the poor. So He said, don't... don't don't try to get every single drop of grain, every single head of grain that you drop. Leave it for the poor. And so the, that's what Naomi is uh, giving Ruth permission to do. But, uh, and the reason Ruth is doing it is because she's supporting the aged Naomi. She's, she came back to take care of her mother-in-law, who we saw last week didn't even really appreciate it that much. And she says, I want to glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. That meant that when people went out to glean, they had to get permission from the owner of the field. They had to find favor in their sight to allow them to glean. So she is completely dependent on the kindness of others. And verse 3 says, so she set out 
and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. She just happened to come there. Now, Elimelech, as I said, was Naomi's husband. And so this was a relative. Boaz was a relative. And it says, she happened to come. And I really like this. Because that's just from her point of view. God is directing this whole thing, as we'll see as we go through the book of Ruth. She just happened to come, but we can see, we'll see as we read this, that this is God's hand of providence directing her. And how many times in our lives do we just happen to go somewhere, or we just happen to meet somebody, and it turns out later that this is God's wonderful providence? Looking at John and Christy Scherf, they just happened to live next door to the Botsfords, who who uh, had an influence on them coming to know the Lord. We just happened to move somewhere. We just happened to run into somebody. God's directing us. And verse 4 says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And this is just acknowledging that God is the one who makes us fruitful. God is the one who blesses us. Boaz is a godly man. Boaz knows that, that it's not him, it's not his diligence, it's not his wisdom, it's, it's God blessing. And then in verse 5, Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. And so we just see this hard-working young lady just pouring out her life to care for Naomi. She's working from morning till night, hardly resting. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now, listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So, Boaz is kind to this foreign girl. And I said last week that the Moabites were the, the mortal enemies of the Israelites. She, she would have been looked down upon in that land. And Boaz is kind to this foreigner and he doesn't treat her according to her social status, but he's kind to her in her need. And he protects her. And he looks out for her safety. He says, don't, don't go glean in another, in another field. I've instructed the young men who are working for me to, to, to not to touch you and to protect you. Stay close to my women. And when you're thirsty, go drink the water the young men had drawn. We may not realize how kind this was until we read the next verse. She just falls on her face in gratitude. Verse 10, it says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? 
I just, as I was studying this, I just thought, what a picture of God's grace to us. Ruth was a foreigner from Moab, the enemy of Israel, yet she found favor in Boaz's eyes and he poured out undeserved kindness on her. And we were God's enemies. Most of us didn't realize it. Most of us would have been like me. I wouldn't have thought I was God's enemy. I expected God to punish me. I thought God was waiting to punish me. I thought He was angry at me because of my sins. But I I basically thought I'm a pretty good guy. Oh yeah, I've made some bad mistakes, but I'm deep down I'm a pretty good guy. I don't hate God. I'm not His enemy. He's probably mad at me. But actually the Bible says that we were all God's enemies before He saved us. That we were hostile to God. That we had no interest in God. That we didn't seek God at all. And so this is... This is what God did to us. He took us foreigners. Us foreigners to the kingdom of God. Us outsiders with no claim to any kindness from God. And through Jesus, we found favor in His eyes. God's grace. God's grace is God's favor to the undeserving. When when we talk about God being a God of grace, it means that everything we receive from God, we receive as a gift We don't deserve anything but punishment. And instead, God gives us His Son, Jesus. And because we come to God through Jesus, God pours out, pours out His favor upon us. In verse 11, Boaz answers her. And then he says, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now he's not saying that she was being blessed because she deserved it. She, God, God promises in the Bible that He will reward us for our obedience to Him. And He will reward us for our service to Him. Not because we deserve it, but because He is kind. In fact, He pours out His grace upon us while we're His enemies, saves us who are totally undeserving of anything but hell, And then He gives us gifts of the Spirit. He gives us talents. He gives us, it says, He gives us works to do in Ephesians. He gives us the works, which it says He prepared beforehand. We walk in the works that God has created for us, and then God rewards us for them for some unknown reason. And so God is a rewarder. He promises to reward us. That's because He's so gracious. And and so Boaz is saying, you know what? I heard about what you did. I heard about how you 
committed yourself to Naomi. How you said, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And you were willing to leave your family. She sent her other daughter-in-law. Her other daughter-in-law went back to her family. You were willing to leave your family and your homeland? And you were willing to come to this foreign land where you would probably know you'd be despised as a foreigner? And you did all that to care for your mother-in-law? Oh, God's going to reward you. And, and what I want us to remember is that our faithfulness to God will not go unnoticed. Now, let me tell you something. We might not be rewarded in this lifetime. Christians at times work hard for the Lord and serve the Lord with all their hearts and, and they, they suffer then at times. We all suffer. We all go through trials and, and we might not receive rewards in this lifetime, but Jesus said, whatever we do for the kingdom of God, whatever we do for others, whatever we do for Him, we are storing up rewards in heaven. Jesus says, don't store up rewards on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up rewards in heaven when we give to the poor, when we give to the kingdom of God. We store up rewards in heaven and not a single act we do in the name of Jesus will go unnoticed. He says, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord. In Hebrews 6.10 it says this. This is one of my favorite verses. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. See, God would be unjust if He overlooked the love we show His name in caring for others and serving others. God sees our every deed. He sees what you do in private. He sees every secret act of service. Maybe no one else knows about it. But God sees it and He will reward you. He will reward you. He sees, he, he hears our every thought. He hears our every prayer. Jesus said, if you give a glass of cold water to someone because they're a disciple, you will not lose your reward. You could think, what could be more insignificant than giving someone a glass of water? How hard is that? Jesus said, I don't miss a thing. I see it all. God observed every single act of kindness that Ruth did to Naomi. Maybe, maybe you feel, and this is a temptation at times, we can all experience, maybe you feel like you've been serving God in vain. Do you ever, ever feel like that? I mean, sometimes we can feel like, Lord, why have I been following You all this time? Why have I been trying to do all this, all this time, and now this happens to me. Lord, why have I been given all this to the kingdom of God, and now I've got financial troubles? Lord, why, why have I been trying to serve this person, and they just don't appreciate me? God sees every 
act done out of love for Him, and He will reward you. It might not be in this lifetime, but you will not lose your reward. Don't grow weary in serving Jesus. All your work for Jesus is worth it. You know what's really going to be fun about heaven? What's really going to be fun is when we get up there and Jesus says, here's a reward for what you did to this person. He'll say, I don't remember doing that. (laughs) I don't remember doing this. Jesus said on the last day, He's going to reward. He's going to say, I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was sick and you you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. And, And believers are going to say, when did we do that? Every time you did it to to one of the least of them, you were doing it to me. I'm sure that I'm sure that we're going to be like rejoicing to see one another receive rewards. It's just going to be an eternal party. Some of you, it's going to take about 800 years to get your rewards, and that that'll just be the start of it. I'll probably be up there saying, when is it going to be my turn? <laughs> no, we'll be, we will be rejoicing as God rewards us. So, you are not serving the Lord in vain. If any of you feel like you've been following Jesus in vain and, and serving Him in vain, don't believe it. Well, God was blessing Ruth because she had taken refuge under His wings. It says, a full reward will be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Remember, Ruth told Naomi in chapter 1, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Instead of returning back home to the false gods her family served, instead of buying a cheap $3 umbrella, Ruth took refuge under the wings of God. Ultimately, this is what it means for Jesus to save us. We are under God's wrath for our sins. But Jesus took God's wrath for us. He took the ultimate hit for us. Jesus became a lightning rod that that took the full force of God's furious punishment of sin. And if we run to Jesus, if, if we put all our trust and all our hope in Him, if we take refuge under His wings, then God's wrath doesn't hit us because it hit Jesus and crushed Him. And taking refuge in Jesus is the only hope of escaping God's wrath for our sins. And if you have never done that, maybe you didn't know you should do that, but if you have never said, Jesus, I come to You. I need You to forgive my sins. I turn to You to be my Savior and my God and my King and rule my life. That's what it means to take refuge under God's wings. If, if you think, well, you know what, I'm a, I'm a good person 
And my, I've done a lot of good deeds in my life, and I think all my good deeds are good enough to get me into heaven. You don't understand what the Bible says. Our good deeds are not enough to overcome the wrath that our sins have merited. And so I would urge you, I would urge you to take refuge in Jesus who bore God's wrath for us. Take refuge under His wings. Not only though, not only is it to be saved, but all throughout our lives, we should take refuge under God's wings. Listen to Psalm 36, 7-9. through Let's read it together. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. What happens when we take refuge under Jesus' wings? We have a feast! We have a feast! A spiritual feast! This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean we're driving Cadillacs and we're rich and all that, but, but we have joy in our hearts. We have comfort from God. We have hope from God. We feast on the abundance of God's house. We drink from God's river of delights. Now that's really living. For some reason, I almost always think in the morning of the verse, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God puts that in my mind when I wake up and I just say, thank you Jesus, your steadfast love never ceases. And we'll go through hard things. And we'll go through challenges. And we'll go through afflictions. But His steadfast love never ceases when we take refuge under God's wings. We must. We must. Psalm 57, verse 1 says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in You my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of Your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Jesus is waiting for us to take refuge in Him. What are you going through this morning? Are you going through a hard time this morning? Take refuge under the wings of God. Turn to Jesus. Just If all you can say is, Jesus, help. He hears that. He hears that. Jesus doesn't say, Oh, that's not a very good prayer. I need a long formal prayer. No, Jesus, Jesus loves it if we cry out to Him. He, he, he said in Matthew 23, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. I mean, Jesus is so willing Jesus is so willing to protect us and cover us and help us. Are you encouraged? I hope you're encouraged. I hope no matter what you're going through, you're, you're thinking, I, I'm, I'm going to take refuge under God's wings, under Jesus' wings. And then in verse 13, Ruth says, Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not 
one of your servants. We're like Ruth. In Jesus, we have found favor in God's eyes and He has comforted us and spoken kindly to us even though we began as foreigners. Even though we had rejected Him, He still poured out His grace and He has comforted us and spoken kindly. And that's what Boaz did to Ruth. I don't know about you, but at times I could imagine God speaking harshly to me. Especially when I didn't know Jesus very well. When I, when I didn't understand that in Jesus we find favor in God's eyes. I, I, I would have imagined God speaking harshly to me. I couldn't imagine God comforting me. What a picture of what God does for us. Ruth was not one of Boaz's servants. She was a foreigner, yet he looked upon her with favor. He comforted her and he spoke kindly to her. And then he pours out honor on Ruth and he provides for her, which is what God does in our lives because of Jesus. Jesus obeyed his father perfectly. God was so pleased with Jesus that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it's almost like God couldn't hold back His pleasure in Jesus. It's almost like the Father couldn't restrain Himself and He spoke from heaven, this is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And yet, in Isaiah 53, it says, beginning with verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all, so that because this exchange because God poured out what we deserved on Jesus, now God can pour out His blessings on us. And that's what Boaz does to to Ruth. He showers her with blessings. And so we see that he is not only just kind and speaks kind words to her, but verse 14 says, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. I mean, they were supposed to wait until after they'd harvested, but he says, tell her to just go in and just go ahead and glean among the sheaves. And then he says, do not reproach her. And he says, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So he's not just saying, guys, whatever you drop, don't pick up, let her glean it. He's saying, after you have harvested some bundles, pull some out and throw it down for her to pick up and let her glean among the sheaves. So he's being incredibly generous. He's going way beyond what the law required. This is a picture of our abundant, abundant, lavish 
God. He wants our lives to be full and abundant. Again, it might not be in material goods. It might not be in earthly abundance. But God's will is that we have spiritual abundance in Jesus. It's like the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son, the story Jesus told in Luke 15, he essentially says to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance right now. Takes his inheritance, goes to a foreign country, squanders it on sinful living, and then he comes back. He realizes at some point what he's done. He said, he comes back. He's going to say, Father, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Treat me as one of the hired hands. That's all I'm asking. And his father runs to meet him and says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened cap and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. That's a lavish God. That's that's, do you believe, do you believe that's God's attitude toward you? That He wants to bless you lavishly? Or do you believe that God's like, well, I'll just give you enough to squeak by. I'll just give you enough to barely make it as a Christian. No, John 1.16 says, for from His fullness, from the fullness of Jesus, from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Remember one time I was at the beach and the waves, for some reason these huge waves kept coming in and just like, I'd get up from one wave and bam, I would get knocked down by another one. Get up from that and another one would hit me. And I think from Jesus' fullness, we have all received wave after wave, grace upon grace. From this God who is an ocean of kindness. Our God is so generous, Naomi, Naomi is stunned when Ruth comes home. Verse 17, it says, So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied at the meal. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So what, what happened was they would harvest and glean all day until sundown. And then they would take, take what they had harvested and beat it out. They would wean, or winnow it. They'd beat it out, winnow what was gathered. And an ephah of barley was about five and a half gallons. And so she's bringing home at least a two-week supply for the two women. So she's lugging this huge bag of, the, of barley or wheat or whatever it was that she's bringing home, plus all this food left over from the feast, and Naomi can't believe it. She said, where, where did you get all this? Where did you clean today? This is the generosity of God. This is the generosity of Boaz. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, 
and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. I'll explain that more next week. But up until now, as we saw last week if you were here, Naomi had little if any faith. I mean, when she came back, when she came back to Israel broken, ruined after, after reaping the consequences of her decisions, she says this in the end of chapter 1. She says, Do not call me Naomi, which meant pleasant. She says, Call me Mara, which meant bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. And that was not true. She didn't go away full. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She had no faith at all when she came back. And now, we see a little glimmer of faith and hope begin to dawn in Naomi. She says, "May, May He be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. She says, God, God hasn't forsaken me. God, God hasn't forsaken me. You come home with all this, God hasn't forsaken me. Well, God hasn't forsaken you either. God hasn't forsaken us. He never forsakes us. Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Naomi, <coughs> Naomi also says, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And what, what that means is, the law said that if someone fell on hard times and had to sell their land, the nearest relative, which was co- who was called a redeemer, could buy back the land to keep it in the family. The nearest, rede- the, the nearest relative, the redeemer, could pay a price to buy back what was lost. Also, there was a law that said if a woman's husband died without leaving children the husband's brother, called a redeemer, should marry the woman to have children with her so she would have descendants. So it was to redeem that situation. So Boaz, though, was not the closest relative, but he was a close relative so they could call him a redeemer. And we're going to see that play out later. And God continues to provide for Naomi and Ruth till the end of the barley and the wheat harvests. And so verse 21 says, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And so we see how God provided for her. And so, thinking about what we've read, Ruth just happened to come to the field of Boaz. Your your life is not just happening to you. 
you don't just happen to be where you are. You don't just happen to be in the situation you're in. You don't just happen to be married to the person you're married to. You don't just happen to be where you are at work or in your neighborhood, wherever. You're there by the providence of God. And you have no idea how God is going to use you. You have no idea how God is going to bless you. You have no idea why God has you where He has you. Just like Ruth had no idea. God is causing all things together to work for your, all things to work together for your good. Do you believe that? God is orchestrating your life for your good and His glory. Ruth took refuge under God's wings, and so I want to ask you, where do you run in the storms of life? Have you been running to the wrong places, the wrong things, wrong things for comfort, wrong things for relief? Have you been panicking? Have you been thinking, God has abandoned me? Or have you been running to God? Have you been coming to Him morning after morning saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I need You. Jesus, please give me wisdom. Jesus, please provide for me. Jesus, help me. I want to encourage you. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He is waiting with open arms. He will comfort you and speak kindly to you. Pray. Call on Him. Ask Him for help. He cares about you. He's waiting with open arms. And not only will He just provide for you, He will provide for you generously. The Naomi's in your life may say, why, why are you so happy? Why do you have such joy? How are you getting through this situation? God is providing for me abundantly. Do you believe that? I want to encourage you to, to believe that. That God will provide for you abundantly. Do you need strength today? Do you need hope? Do you need encouragement? God will provide it. And not just a little bit. He'll provide it abundantly. But you've got to keep running to his, under His wings for refuge. Sometimes I'm running like all day long. <laughs> Jesus, help. Jesus, please. Jesus, help me. Jesus, give me strength. And I believe it. And even if I don't feel it, I say, Jesus, thank You that You will. Thank You that You will help me. Thank You that You will provide for me. So let's stand and let's pray and let's have the band come up. Lord Jesus, we want to take refuge under the shadow of Your wings. We need You, Lord. And we thank You that You have promised to protect us, and bless us, and provide for us, and do good to us, and speak kindly to us, and comfort us. 
And Lord, we need that. And we come to You right now. We thank You that that's, that's the God You are. We praise You that You're a lavish God. And Jesus, we, we thank You that You were the lightning rod that took the bolt of God's wrath on our place. And You cover us and protect us from God's wrath. Lord, we have a lot to be joyful about. Lord, fill us with Your joy today. Fill us with Your comfort and strength. Help us to trust in You. Help us to believe what we've heard about You. We just want to say we we love You and are thankful for all You've done for us and saving us and that You have not forsaken us. In Jesus' name, Amen.